Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to England. Bah, bah, bah. And uh, we have a vivid hour-by-hour recreation of the D-Day assault on the beaches of Normandy during World War II. Kirahi! Uh, we are doing The Longest Day, 1962, and it's it's going to be a bit of a different broadcast this week, and so you will listen, and we hope you enjoy. Particulars, please. Particulars. The Longest Day it was released in France in the U.S. on, any guesses? I'm going to go June 6th. No! Wrong. September 25th, 1962. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it was uh, running late. It's anticlimactic. <laughs> I know. I gotcha. Psycho <laughs> boom boom. <laughs> it's 178 minutes. It was. Yeah. Yes. I, it took me three, three nights to watch it. It's in English, German, and in French. 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 Well, because <laughs> I was going to say France, but that's not a language, Aaron. It's not. So it's French. But they speak French in, in France. France. And that's where <laughs> Normandy is located. Oh, well done. Mm-hmm. It has five directors. Yeah. So we have Ken Anakin. He did the British and French exteriors. He did the 1960s Swiss Family Robinson. He did those magnificent men and their flying machines. He was also injured in Liverpool in the Liverpool Blitz. And he joined the RAF, the Royal Air Force, in the film unit. So he saw some shit. And he recorded some shit. Yes. We have Andrew Martin. He did the U.S. exteriors. He was a second unit director on many films. He's responsible for the chariot race in Ben-Hur. He was also the second unit director on Cleopatra, Catch-22, and The Day of the Jackal, just to name a few. We have Bernard Vicky. He did the German episodes. He belonged to the Bundeschein Jungen. That's a youth group, and so they like, like, the youth groups in Germany, you know, they like to be outdoors and hiking, and, uh, like, it was very community-oriented and stuff, and they thought that the Nazis were primitive, and so then Hitler, when he came to power, he was like, no, there's only one youth group, and that's the Hitler youth group. And so this guy belonged to the youth group that wasn't a Hitler youth group. Oh. And they sent him to Sachsenhausen concentration camp for many months. Mm-hmm. And that was a political prisoner camp. And he also directed Moratori with Marlon Brando and Yul Brenner. And he was Ooh. also an actor. And his most famous movie is probably Die Brücke. Which is the bridge. Yeah. Zweibrücken. Oh, two bridges. Two bridges, yep. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I just put that together. 
Yeah. Huh. So then, and we have Gerd Oswald. He did the parachuting scenes, but he was uncredited. He also did A Kiss Before Dying, Valerie. He did so much TV work, man. Perry Mason, Bonanza, Takes a Thief, Rawhide, like Twilight Zones, Outer Limits. This this dude, he he did a lot. It was produced and he he said he directed some stuff but is uncredited so this is pretty much daryl f zanuck's baby and he was he also did torah 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 like as a producer he produced torah 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 the man in the gray flannel suit which remember last week all the three faces of eve that guy did the man in the gray flannel suit he also did all about eve we're tied together right there it always works out that way and because we do research and we make that happen. Yeah. 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 Gentleman's yeah. Agreement, How Green Was My Valley, The Grapes of Wrath, 42nd Street. He was the head of 20th Century Fox from 1944 to 1956. I think he was also a studio head at something else before the war. But when the war broke out, they were like, you're a colonel and we're, you're assigned to the U.S. Signal, Signal Corps Corps, and that's going to be stationed in Astoria, Queens. And he was pissed off about that because that was also where the spoiled son of Universal Studios founder, Carl uh. Lemley Jr., he also was stationed there. And, and the spoiled son would get picked up by a limousine in mm. Manhattan and driven out to Queens. And Daryl was like, forget this, man. There's a war on. I want to get in on the action. So he went to the Pentagon. Well, it wasn't the Pentagon because it wasn't built yet. But he went to the War Department to marshal himself and said, hey, I want in. I want some action. And wow. Marshall said, well, we're kind of not really fighting anywhere at the moment we're just kind of ramping up but look if you want to see some action all right i got a post for you and he sent them over to london to be a liaison to the british guys and that's when like london was getting bombed they were just they were getting blitzed everyone was keeping calm and carrying on and this daryl loved it they, the people will be like, you need to get to an air raid shelter. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. Look at this. And he liked seeing the anti-aircraft guns firing. And he would, you know, he gave Carl a lot of shit for being spoiled. But, you know, when he was witnessing the Blitz, he he had rations and stuff. And so he had drinks and he would have Blitz parties. Oh. This guy, he, he enjoyed the war. And then, oh, Mountbatten. He he was like, hey, you guys are doing a secret raid over the channel. I went in on that. So he went in on that and he's carrying the wounded guys back. And he's just like, I love war. So, yeah, this is the guy that produced the movie. Um, And that's why it's as long as it is probably probably cut a lot. I'm yeah, sure he cut but, a lot and but he he just wanted to. I, I don't know. So the screenplay is by Cornelius Ryan, and it's based on his book, The Longest Day. And he was okay. a, and that came out in 1959. And he was a journalist, and he, he was an Irish journalist, and he conducted over a thousand interviews. 
and he also wrote A Bridge Too Far and A Bridge Too Far and they also made a movie about that and that was based on the Operation Market Garden and that movie A Bridge Too Far was adapted by William Goldman so I'm like well we're doing that at some point um and then it was another screenwriter was Roman Gary he was a French writer and he was in World War II as an aviator and he was Jewish and then we have James Jones. He was an author. He wrote From Here to Eternity and the, and the Thin Red Line. He was in the U.S. Army in the 25th Infantry Division and in the 27th Infantry Division. And he saw combat. He was in Guadalcanal. He also witnessed the, the Pearl Harbor attack. So this guy, oh, this guy wow. saw a lot of shit. Um. And then we have David Persall and Jack Seddon. And there wasn't anything on Wikipedia about those two guys. Okay. The music score was by Maurice Yare. He did all of David Lean's films, like Lawrence of Arabia, which I, <laughs> I, I wanted to say Lawrence of Olivier now. Lawrence of Olivier of uh, Arabia. Oh, wow. I can't even do it. He also did Dr. Shivago, Witness, Fatal Attraction, Gorillas in the Mist, and Dead Poet Society. Mm. Paul Anka did the theme. He wrote the songs Lonely Boy, Put Your Head on My Shoulder, and She's a Lady, and other things. Like Paul, I know Paul Anka, but I can't name you off the bat, Paul Anka. Yeah. Um, Mitch Miller did the arranging. He was head of A&R at Columbia Records in the 1950s and early 60s. Yes, he was. So by this time, I was kind of, my, uh, my hand was getting tired. I was like, I had a lot more of the particulars to go. So I didn't deep dive Mitch Miller and his consequence. I believe, I believe Mitch Miller was the band for Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. Probably, because he had a show on NBC. Okay. So that that I would think. make sense. I mean, there was yeah. stuff to it, but it didn't have... I like when Wikipedia, right off the bat, in the first paragraph, gives me what this person is famous for. Right. And, like, right. the thing that I'm going to... Like, oh, I know that. I don't like it when I got to scroll through and be like, oh, he did this and this and this. Because there's so much with this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, so many people... Yeah, the longest particulars. So, yeah. okay, that was music. The director of photography is Jean Bourgogne. He's French. He won an Oscar for this. He also did French Guido. Oh, no, he is French. He also did Guido and Impossible Saturday, to name a few. Okay. Um, and then also Walter... Waltlitz, but Wikipedia had nothing on him. Edited by Samuel E. Beatley. He also edited 1967's Dr. Doolittle, probably with uh, What's-His-Face's daughter, Three Faces of Eve, Nunnally. And he also did The Visit and Soylent Green. All right. Now we're getting into the starring. Okay, people, buckle up. So... It's okay. I just, it's going to go, this is going to be a lot of names and stuff. So we have John Wayne. He plays Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin H. Vandervoot. At the time that this movie was shot, I'm going to say 1961. 
John Wayne was 54 years old. Right. On D-Day, Benjamin Vander Root was 27. And he wasn't happy that he was being played by old John Wayne. Yeah, because even when this movie came out, Vandervoot was still young, like 10 years younger than John Wayne. Right. Um, that so, was an issue with several of our cast members. They were too old to be playing these parts. Yeah. Okay. So here's a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm not a John Wayne fan. I am- Aren't you? Aren't you, Aaron? I understand. I understand that uh, he's a big star, and I he died with how much poop in him? He died with like fifty pounds of poop in him. Just say. So he was literally full of shit. Full of shit. But you know, if if you can so be inclined to get all wrapped up in into John Wayne's John Wayneisms, then what? I'm about to say can be parsed two different ways. So that's why I'm saying like I'm coming at it from this from a point of view where I'm not a fan of this guy. So that's definitely going to taint my view of what I'm about to say. Okay. That's the disclaimer. So he didn't serve in World War Two. He got a 3A family dependency deferment. And True, he was 34 at the time, which is on the old side. But, you know, shit was popping off and kind of any everybody was being um, drafted. Yeah. So he got the 3A deferment because of the because he had like three or four kids and he wasn't that big of an actor when the war started. OK. Um. So. But because he didn't go to war and stayed behind and a lot of the actors who did and a lot of other actors of his time that he had been losing parts to, they went off and fought in the war. So John Wayne kind of became famous and got rich by not fighting in the war. So did he dodge the draft? I don't know. I'm just saying that he, a lot well, of people there were went to war. Plenty of people who did go to war who had children back home, and yes. they went to war because they had children back home. And he, and he didn't, and he got rich and wealthy and very successful. So back before the war, John Ford, he gave him a chance because he had seen John Wayne when he was at USC. And there was something about him, and he put him in, I think he put him in The Searchers or something. I, I might be wrong with that movie. But, you know, John Ford went off for the war. He did a lot of movies and stuff, and he was he was about that life. And he would always give John Wayne, uh, he would give him shit for not <laughs> serving in the war. He would give him a hard time. It would be like, hey, I think there was some movie, because John Wayne also, it wasn't like he just became famous and stuff and he was doing romantic comedies. He got rich and famous from doing war movies. Um. (laughs) He was in a whole bunch bunch of war, playing the war hero in war movies and stuff, and it's like, this motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Um, So in John Ford, it was one of the movies later on 
he was just just laying in the John Wayne. He was telling him to get into it and stuff and basically saying, you know, you got rich and wealthy while other people died. You know, just laying it into him. So there you have it. Oh, we have Henry Fonda playing Teddy Roosevelt Jr. Henry Fonda served in the war. He was in the, a lieutenant in the Navy. He was on the USS Scatterly and the USS Curtis, and he got a Bronze Star. So did your grandpa. Yeah, like you, you get that for being in the shit, I believe. Yeah. For seeing some stuff. Uh, we have Robert Mitchum. He was drafted, but he didn't see combat. He played General Norman Coda. We have Don Adams of Get Smart fame. He was uncredited, and he was in the United States Marine Corps and was in Guadalcanal. Eddie Albert, he was in Roman Holiday and the Heartbreak Kid. He was also in the U.S. Navy in World War II and awarded the Bronze Star. We talked about him a couple weeks ago when we talked about are there really people who ran the elevator? And I said, yeah, my dad did down in Cincinnati and Eddie Albert would ride his elevator. Crazy. Yeah. Well, you didn't say that Eddie Albert won. I think he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Roman Holiday. Or I didn't he, know. Or he was nominated. I just knew who he was. And that's okay. That's all. Well, that's cool. Paul, well, that, that chicken has come home to roost, so that's good. Wow. Yeah. Paul Anka was also in it. Richard Beimer, or Beimer was in it. He played Dutch Schultz. He was Tony. From West Side Story. He was. Because I was like, who is this guy? Why oh do I, why does he look so familiar? I did not realize that. I was like, who is he? Is he a young somebody? And I was like, no. He was also in, to tie it back to last week, The Stripper with Joanne Woodward. Whoa. Yeah, he didn't. Well, well, nerd alert now, because I'll probably forget it because I didn't write it down. But he didn't like his performance in this movie. He won. He thought he, of himself as more of a character actor, and he thought in this movie that they wanted him to be an all-American kid, and he yeah. wasn't an all-American kid. Oh. But I thought that he was actually pretty good in this movie because I, I've like come across dudes like this, like yeah. I, you know, not my favorite kind of guy, but. You know, I'm I'm yeah. assuming that there were a lot of them. He wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. No, but he was young and he was getting ready for something that he wasn't. Nobody was ready for. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I thought he did a fine job. I thought he was pretty good in it. Uh, we have red buttons. He was in yeah. Sayonara, and they do shoot horses, don't they? Um, lots of TV in oh, the, yeah, tons in the of TV. 60s and 70s. We have Gary Collins. He was in a whole bunch of stuff, but I know him from The Home Show because Ma used to watch it. Remember The Home Show with Gary Collins? I remember Gary would, Collins. I don't remember he, The Home Show. He would wear the sweaters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember it. We have Fabian. He was a singer. Wikipedia did not list off his hits. And I couldn't, I didn't feel like opening Spotify to do a Fabian search. Yeah, it's not worth it. But, but who did he play? I kept looking for him. He played, I think 
he was like a ranger or something. Oh, okay. Like one of the privates. <laughs> we have Mel Ferrer. Ferrer. Mel, Mel Ferrer. Yeah. Ferrar. Ferrar. He was married to Audrey Hepburn from 1954 yes. to 1968. Yes. We have Roddy McDowell, the yes. little kid from How Green Was My Valley. Mm-hmm. You know, that kid, he, Roddy McDowell, very good at lying on his back and, <laughs> and looking up and just thinking. Yeah. Very good. We have Sal Minio. He was in Rebel Without a Cause and in mm-hmm. real life he was murdered. Mm-hmm. We have George Seagal, who is in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Just Shoot Me and currently The Goldbergs. Yeah. We have Rod Steiger, who's in In the Heat of the Night, and Dr. Shivago. Mm-hmm. We have Robert Wagner. Yeah. That RJ. Yeah. Who it seems very likely may have killed Natalie Wood, allegedly. Allegedly. Just Don't sue us. We're just, just saying, saying what we've heard. Just saying. <clears throat> We have, I mean, she was terrified of the water. (laughs) We're not going down that rabbit hole right now. (laughs) Pull yourself back up. We have Richard Burton, Mr. Shakespeare, Mr. Elizabeth Taylor twice. He was in Camelot and who's in Virginia Woolf, just to name a few. He was in a lot. Well, tons of stuff. Again, my hand is cramping. Yeah. We have Sean Connery. This is his last funny when he showed his last role before he was cast as James Bond. I almost said as James Baldwin. (laughs) I have a nerd alert about that. Okay, go ahead. Give your voice a rest. Um, He had they had to do his parts fast so that he could get to I think it was Jamaica to film Dr. No. Oh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We have Peter Lawford. Um, yep. Was he in the Rat Pack? Oh, yes. Okay, because I have him down as he was like Kennedy adjacent. Because he was an in-law. He married he, one of the sisters. Patricia Helen Kennedy. Yes. And his son was on the soap opera we will watch. Oh, my children. Yes. Yes, indeed. Let me flip the page over. We've got Richard Todd. He was in The Big Sleep, and he also was in D Day. And in the movie, when they're and when he's in D Day, and he's like, um, going on the beach and stuff, he wore the same beret that he wore when he was in D Day. Wow! And then for I guess later scenes, he switched his cap. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn. We have our our Letty. She was a French actress, singer, fashion model. She the only reason that she is mm-hmm. is written down on this list is because in the first this is in the first paragraph of the Wikipedia. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I like. Found guilty of treason for having an affair with a German officer. But really? Yeah, but yet she still like went on to be um what's her fate the, in the French version of streetcar with name with desire, a streetcar named desire. In the French version, she was Blanche. So I'm guessing there was no jail time, or it was like, ah, you know, wartime. Things happened. 
Because um, I read the only reason she had this role was because she was the girlfriend of Zanuck. Well, here's a quote from her. Allegedly, I don't know. I like it. Some may not. It says, quote, my heart is French, but my ass is international. Okay. <laughs> so. So that means, no, I'm not going to go that there. That means anyone can get it. How do you No, look? I know. I know. I was just <laughs> discussing the placements and she said my ass. So I was just going with that. But I was like, well. Or the general vicinity, I guess. <laughs> and finally, we have <laughs> Heinz Reichen. Rinky. I don't know how you say it. But he's just named because he plays Pips Pruler. And he was also in Commandos. But really, he's Pips. He's Pips. Oh, I know you're exhausted. Those are the particulars. Okay, well, usually at this point, I start with everything that's happening in the first hour. But what really happened in the first hour was... Uh, well, first we had da 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 da. It's Beethoven something. Yeah, and so and the whole beginning of it was to a drum beat, and and the purpose was Timpanese, I believe. We're introducing all the big players. You know what they all were the... doing, Ma? They were what? setting the table. They were indeed. And since they set the table, we don't have to that much. Yeah, we're going. You're going around. You're bouncing around with the Nazis. You're bouncing around with the different Allied troops and stuff. Exactly. It's you know because this was this had been delayed. D Day had been delayed, and delayed the weather was bad. Things. And all the guys were in the boats, and they're like, and they're looking at the tides because they have the boats, so they need the tides a certain way, and they need the moon a certain way for the the darkness and all of that. And this guy, and there's a, meanwhile, there's a storm on the channel. And so they're looking at the weather and they say, hey, Dwight, if we don't go now, we're going to have to wait another month. Until July. And, they, you know, Ike says, if we, we've already spent all this, because they did a whole bunch of stuff on the British islands of um, decoys and putting up like cardboard tanks and stuff so that the Germans, because it was all about trying to out, it's a chess move. So the Germans know an invasion is imminent and they're trying to fortify and think, well, where are the allies going to come? Where's the attack going to come from? Exactly. And so that they're moving all of their things around and they're trying to listen for codes and break codes because you know at this point they had like they had the european continent on lock that yeah. includes norway because they are you know they're probably are they going to go up through norway and come down what's going to happen is it going to holland is it going to Cal calais the closest part right well it's the part that would be would have been the shortest distance yeah it's like from dover because that's where the that's where the tunnel is right so everybody was sure that, I mean, all the Germans were sure it was going to be Calais. Yeah. I mean, there was no way that they would pick Normandy because I think that it was actually the farthest distance between 
England and France. Yeah, so they're just, but there's still this, but you know, there's some German people who are like, nah, man, because it's these guys, yeah, these, you know, especially the German guys, yeah, they're Nazis and stuff. They they have the, these ideals and, but a lot of these guys, they're they're war people, they're generals, so they're they're in the strategy and they're into. They're, you know, they've read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. They're trying to think like their enemy and trying to, and they have, you know, I think they have a mutual respect because there's, you know, they're, they're German. They've been, you know, hey, look at us. We took over Europe. And then they're like, all right, you know, this is the American. What would this American guy do? You know, what would he do? What would I do? And what would he do? And what does he think I would do? And what do I think he would do? Because then I would do what he wouldn't think that I would do. See? Now, a cool part of this was when it was the, the German speaking, they were speaking German. Mm-hmm. And the French were speaking French. And the um, um, British and Americans were, of course, speaking English. Mm-hmm. And the I Scottish did- were speaking Scottish. Yeah, because who can understand that? <laughs> so I did I did enjoy that part. Well, there were subtitles. Well, so I was planning ahead with this film, and I wanted to watch it, start watching it a little bit earlier so I didn't have to watch it all in one sitting. And the first version of this film that I watched did not have any subtitles. And, and they that did was because I heard there were two versions of the film, one in all English and one in the 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 mixed um, languages. Well, but the, yours was the mixed languages without subtitles, right? Ouch. So I'm, you know, I'm like, hey, I've heard German in my life. Let me see how much of it I can tell. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, Nazi bullshit, Nazi bullshit, Nazi bullshit, Nazi bullshit. And then this guy says, oh, it's Nazi guy. It's like, mein Lieber. And I'm like, who's he calling his love in this scene? What? And then I'm like, maybe I don't know as much German as I think I do. And then there comes a scene that I'll get to later where I knew, I didn't know what this guy was saying. And yet I knew everything this guy was saying. And I loved it so much. I'm like, I gotta get the, I gotta get the subtitles. I gotta know what these Nazis are saying. So yes, and so, um, well, we we were introduced to Rommel. We were introduced to um, the big players. Um, I gotta say, and they would introduce them by putting a card up. I said out loud to no one. I appreciate the effort of you trying to tell me who these people are. But they all look the same to me. They did. That's why we do not have recasting for this. Because <laughs> it was too hard for me. It's just like, just they really get a white all... guy and there you have it. Yeah. Blonde, blue eyes, and it's all the Germans looked alike. Mm-hmm. I will say, being of German heritage... They they were very stereotypical with the German anger. Well, lots of anger from the German people. I mean the the officers. Yeah, 
the Nazis were not known as just chilling out, vibing. I mean, truth be told, weren't they all on meth? <laughs> so if they weren't on sleeping pills, they were like hopped up on meth. Well, it comes out, thank God, thank God. I think God was on our side because at one point the German guy says... Sometimes I wonder whose side God's on. And then the American guy says it too. Um, yeah, because- let me just chime in there. That's in one of my um, my good reheatables. Let me just say, I don't know. I, I said, yeah, probably not the side that's rounding up Jews and killing them. Just going to take a, a shot there. Also, probably just like I don't think God was on the side that was fighting for slavery just gonna throw that out and you know how i know because really the allies should not have won the war that's how i know whose side he was on and this should not have been successful like like rommel was going not a not a british soldier's feet will touch our soil you know we're gonna pick them off as soon as they come across the channel and if hitler hadn't taken a sleeping pill and if everybody weren't too afraid to wake him up and he had gotten the panzers over there that he could have this would have ended quite differently. Yeah, and also if he hadn't been super stubborn about his, uh, what was that, the Western Front and being all in Russia. <laughs> well, and um, Poppy was saying how if he hadn't spent all of all of his time and money blowing up London, yeah, it could have been different too. So, so all of this, the first hour is really us seeing the two different sides, seeing them preparing for an invasion on both sides. When is it going to happen um, on both sides? Where is it going to happen? Well, we knew where it was going to happen, but they didn't. And then um, we did see the resistance. Yes. Yeah. The resi- I, That was yeah. cool. The French resistance, how they yeah. have their, radi- their radio signals and stuff, and they would just put out like bits and bobs of poetry and then it says john has a long mustache and the guy he he was like what did he say and the guy goes i repeat john has a long mustache and that dude knew exactly what to do and he was on it so the french resistance they blew up the communications so that the um yeah the communications between the I guess it was in the towns, right? Yeah, it, it, so that so that the people on the coast couldn't communicate with mm-hmm. headquarters, you know, to say uh, we got us a problem. Yeah, and they also blew up some trains and stuff. Yeah, they were. Uh, we. Uh, I don't think that the war would have been won without the resistance. <sighs> that was dangerous too, man. Oh. oh, okay. Well. Um, yeah, so John Wayne was too old to play it. I, I felt like uh, Henry Fonda was too old to play his part, too. And truth be told, Robert Mitchum was too old to play his part, too. But we're going to move on. Yeah, but, I mean, Henry Fonda was in the war. So yeah, I agree. I he agree. gets so to play. He and, and, um, same with and, Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Like, if you were actually in the war, then I think, yeah, you go ahead, buddy. You get to be in it. Yeah. John Wayne... But again, not a fan of John Wayne, just as John Wayne, not a fan of me. So, well, I don't think I don't think his 
his spirit or whatever's left of him it really likes how frequently you bring up that he died with 50 pounds of poop in well it just proves that he was full of shit okay so okay so i have a lot more you know points about who said what um i did enjoy seeing richard burton he himself felt like he was too old to be in the part but doesn't he didn't he have a presence i mean he just wow you're stepping all over my things okay okay my reheatables okay 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 i i will say that um there there were people who compared your grandpa to richard burton really yeah his presence not what's his face that i compared him to (laughs) the the man with the head from the three faces of eve no (laughs) he was more richard burton than than leroy cobb or whatever his name is but remember you you met him in when he was 70 and this was back in yeah and i was a little kid so his head was huge and i mean oh it all comes together Aha! Yes, people, I have an unusually large head. I mean. (laughs) Now, then we meet Eisenhower. (gasps) I have a nerd alert. Do you? I do. Oh, okay. I have to tell you. Now, as I was taking my two pages of notes that I've ignored for, for because of time, because we have a lot to talk mm-hmm. about and because it's just this, what I've already said. Um, I had to stop the, the movie several times to take my notes. And so I had to stop it when Eisenhower came on to Google was Eisenhower in this movie. He this looked just like him. Look just like him. And my nerd alert said he had actually said, yeah, he'd be in the movie because it was a really short part. Mm-hmm. But the makeup people said they couldn't make him look young enough to be in the movie. Yeah. And then I read, so I read before, and this was before I even watched the movie or even knew anything about it. I just, it was just a random blurb that I happened to read. That it said that Eisenhower walked out within the first like 15 minutes of this film because yeah. of the inaccuracies. But yeah. then when I read that, I said to myself, was it really because of the inaccuracies or was someone's feelings a bit hurt? Mm-hmm. When he saw John Wayne, oh, y'all motherfuckers cast John Wayne in this? But not me? Very possibly his ego. It could have been his ego. I don't know. I mean, hey, if I was if I was Eisenhower, I'd have an ego. I mean, y'all can't tell me nothing. And then the the um girl who was the resistance, mm-hmm. I thought she was Sophia Loren. Oh, I yeah, I, I called her Sophia for a while, and then I saw, no, it wasn't Sophia. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the operators couldn't get their signals. The resistance was taking down phone lines. Um, 
there um, a group of people are being told they have to hold the bridge. The um, Germans want to blow this bridge, but they have to hold it so they can get their equipment across once they come up. Yeah, because we sent paratroopers first at midnight to go behind the lines to secure bridges and different points and to try to take out the thing so that, um, you know, to try to to help the people come across. Right. Once they hit the once they hit the beach. And the the there were German generals who were playing poker because they're going, you know, the Americans only only land in perfect weather. Mm-hmm. So we we and have this there was some storm. there were some war games going on back yeah. in Germany. So a lot of the higher ups had gone back to Germany for this war games. Right. And Rommel went back for his wife's birthday. With a new pair of shoes from Paris. Well, we'll get to that. Um, do you want to say something about Rommel, Pop? Oh, no. no, he doesn't. Hmm. Okay. okay, so at this point, um, it is, it's been an hour. And you stop taking notes. I stopped taking the notes that I have not told you at this point. Okay. So we are ready for Aaron and the POC count. Well, contrary to what history and every movie has shown, there were black people on the beach on D-Day in Normandy. They were a part of a balloon squadron whose job, they were trained in these balloons that they would inflate on the beach, taking massive fire to inflate these balloons. And the balloons would have these these thin wires that you couldn't see. And so the job was when the planes, when the German planes were come across to, you know, fire up everybody on the beach, they would hit these wires and they would send the explode and then a parachute would kind of come out and this explosion on the other end would come up and it would explode the planes ingenious so yeah they did that and then i'm watching the movie and i see a lone black face in one of the boats and it had a medic helmet on and i was like what Oh my, and I, I'm scrambling because I'm like, what is, I got to note this down. We have one POC. And then the next day I'm reading about these five unknown things about D-Day. And I get that there was this medic, his name was Waverly B. Woodson Jr. And he was like the black guy, he was the black medic on D-Day, he got injured by a mine, and despite that, he saved like 200 people. And yet, he was never awarded the Medal of Honor because he was black. And so, I couldn't, I didn't see anywhere in the longest yard online where it said, yeah, the black guy in it, that's Waverly B. Woodson Jr. But I'm saying, that black guy... That's Waverly. That's Waverly B. Johnson. That's Woody. And he 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 played himself. I don't think he played himself because okay. I can't find it. Because that's how that's how black people are treated in this country. 
I can't find any. I can find things about Waverly Johnson Jr. and about how he's never been given his propers for what he did. And then I don't find anything about there being the them like saying, yeah, we put him in the boat. I don't think they did. I think, I don't know. Did someone mess up and they just got one black guy and put him in a medic thing to just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know that the NAACP said that there were 1,700 black soldiers um, that took part in D-Day. Yeah. And and this movie had one that didn't even have a, a speaking line. He wasn't even in the front of the camera. No, he was just in the background. Right. But that's that's how that's how Woody was. Yeah. Just you know, just saving people left and yeah. right. Being injured yeah. himself. Yeah. Uh, oh nothing. Okay, so um we're to your nerd alerts. Oh, my nerd alerts. Well, I kind of went through my nerd alerts when... No, there's... I don't have nerd alerts. I have tasty nuggets. Okay, I do as well. Okay. So, reheatables. All right. Um, my first negative reheatable is probably unfair because this was 1962, right? But in the beginning, it was so obvious that the actors were in front of a blue screen. Oh, yeah, because the one the German guy disappeared at one point. <laughs> yeah, it was really obvious. Imagine my confusion. There's no subtitles, and this German guy just <laughs> d- drops out. And, um, you know, it's even more incredible. This got the Academy Award for Best Special Effects. Which, the special effects were pretty good for 1962 in a war movie and stuff. But if you lose a character <laughs> and there's only one character in the shot for, like, two seconds, I sort of... Like, who else was nominated? <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, a lot of the people who died, they, they died over the top. I mean, they... They, their death scenes were like they made the most of them. Well, there wasn't any blood in this because my battery heatable surprise, surprise has to do with John Wayne when he paratroopers in and he gets, they're like, what's wrong? And the, the medic's like, you got a compound fracture and it's a close up on his ankle. I mean, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, there was no bone sticking There's, out of his leg. Yeah, there is not a bone sticking out of his leg, buddy. Where, you know what, I want a second opinion. Get Woody over here. Because <laughs> obviously Woody knows knows what he's doing. Get this medic out of here. Get me, get me Waverly. Okay, well, my third negative reheatable was the German dude who put his boots on the wrong feet. Well, yes. You would know you had your boots on the wrong feet. But that was a yuck yuck. It was a yuck yuck, I know. Okay. That was a, a part of uh, of what all the World War II period movies had in it. They, they had the yuck yuck because what they wanted to show was the, the joke and trying to make 
uh, lightheartedness of uh, extreme situations. And a lot of times that's, that's very true, you know, uh, because that, you know, making a joke sometimes takes the edge off of, you know, some intense, um, you know, situations. So they did that. That was one of the things. And I, not only with this movie, but uh, several of the ones that, um, that came out uh, even as early as back in the forties and up and through, Heck, up and through now, still, they still have that. It's one of those comic relief kind of things. Yeah, but I thought that, okay, I have a question. Because it's about the tone of the movie. Because here you are, it's D-Day. I'm like, ah, that's some crazy serious shit. And so these yuck yucks, I could, when I was doing my research, and I found out that a whole bunch of people had experience in it because you got to think about it this was made in 1962 so that was 1944 so that's 19 years ago so a lot of people almost everybody had some sort of dealings with it and experience it would be like now doing a movie about 9-11 you know there's people around who witnessed it and had it so I think a lot of the what I am gonna call yuck yucks are things that actually happen be, because even though horrific things were happening, there's still some humor in it. But I wondered if, I guess they couldn't really do a realistic per, portrayal of it because of censors and stuff. But then I also wondered if also they, it was more on the, had more of the yuck yuck in the tone that it had because the people involved in it really witnessed it and they were like nobody they don't need to see how it really was and also like the veterans who are going to watch it like they could watch this movie and it would be the yuck yucks and the camaraderie and it wouldn't be as and it would be more rewatchable and it wouldn't be as traumatic and triggering as like watching Saving Private Ryan or like Band of Brothers, Correct. where it's just like, the, you know, you like guys who witnessed that, like saw Saving Private Ryan were just like, oh, my God, like yeah. that's, you know, yeah. whereas like this, when... it's like, oh, and you can like hide and push down all that real stuff that happened and just sort of enjoy this on a surface level. Right. No, I think you're dead on it because, uh, you know, when private on Private Ryan, when they come on the beach, that, that was very, very intense. And um, and I think that along with uh, Fury, you know, the tank battle one, um, which were made, you know, later than obviously than, than this, uh, than the Longest Day movie. <clears throat> and they, they were more, it's more realistic. You know, there's blood in it, gore and so forth that, Back in the 60s, you know, you didn't show, especially like in, even in cowboy movies, you know, when they had the cowboy movies back in the 60s, um, you, you don't remember, I'm sure. But but uh, there were, you know, there was a gunshot and the guy would grasp his chest and throw his hands up and roll over. And, you know, that wasn't it. You didn't see his head, you know, get splattered and all that stuff like, you you know, like they're doing now. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have any negative reheat? Me? Mm-hmm. Mine was just the the compound fracture. That oh, okay. wasn't a compound fracture. Well, but I will I will say this. Um, my uncle, who um, was with 
Montgomery down in North Africa. Um, obviously, this was a you know, different engagement. But he was a medic. And, you know, he saw a lot of, lot of action and stuff in, in North Africa and then in Italy, you know, in the southern part of Italy. And it took him a long time to talk to me about it, even after I was on active duty in the military and, you know, field grade officer and stuff. It took him a long time to, to open up to me and talk about some of the things that he'd experienced. And I think you'll find that with that generation of folks, that's what they did. When they came back, they just put it on the shelf. Um, you know, I'm sure Liz, uh, 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 Paul Weber, did, you know, did the same kind of thing. Uh, there would be some things that they didn't like, like maybe fire, firecrackers or something like that. But, but for the most part, they they shelved it and they didn't they didn't just talk about it. This was something very um, intense and um, and a significant emotional event, if you will. And so, this was something that everybody kind of treaded very very lightly uh, with and on. And uh, hence, that's how they handled it. Yeah, but some of them, like some people, they handled it better than others because a lot, yeah. even though they didn't talk about it you know, drank a lot. Oh, um, yeah. you would abuse their kids and stuff. And it, I don't know. That's something that I think is interesting to, because everybody's like, Oh, the greatest generation and stuff, but just the toll that the greatest generation took on the kids, like yeah. their kids. And like, you know, that whole experience and, it's it's like oh no they they didn't talk about it and they shoved it down and stuff and that's not great <laughs> you know there's a lot of unintended consequences that comes with that and then you wonder about then the baby boomers who are like my dad didn't love me and stuff so I'm just gonna go and like be a hippie and get high and do whatever and then you know their kids and so it's just an interesting story of the generations I guess of yeah and then you're like oh that's oh because he was in the war but then when you are they go back and they show like yeah this was the shit that they went through that they never talked about then you're like oh my gosh well no Mm -hmm. wonder it's like the the kids of um holocaust survivors (laughs) it's like yeah they're gonna probably be pretty messed up Mm -hmm. and like who was in therapy talking about that no so then they then they have like the kids and the kids grow up thinking like oh, my parents don't love me and stuff. It's like no, your parents did love you, but they survived this traumatic thing, and the only way that they knew how to deal with it was to not talk about it and to just that was their best way of coping with it, and that like, you know, they weren't super loving and affectionate to you. And perhaps that, and that was, was, <laughs> was some you know, and I'm sure obviously that that happened, and that was before. You know, they used to call it shell shock, uh, a term from World War One and World War Two. This is before the PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, became in vogue or a term that's used you hear now. But back then, they, they would call it uh, shell shock. And, uh, that, you know, so that and that was prevalent. Uh, you know, I remember my dad talking about and, you know, seeing people or whatever and you know, that term would, would come out. So 
I mean, can yeah. you imagine like you went through D-Day and you're a veteran and stuff and then like your kids crying because they didn't get a participation trophy in soccer? And it would take a lot of restraint to just be like, these are the softest motherfuckers. Do you even <laughs> know what I've seen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the 50s fathers were known as, you know, being very distant. They went to work, they came home, they had their drink and and dinner and and that's why they went through this and so they, they yeah. that's just what they wanted they didn't want to see any more death they just wanted just let me do this let me be let me go golf nice open space right. Right. <laughs> just, let me have some me time yeah. because uh i've been through yeah. a lot yeah and i don't yeah. even know what it's called i don't even know that it's that i've been through a lot because everyone and, i know has been through a lot because yeah. we're the ones that came back Right. But but we can't talk about it because um, if you have any kind of a, a mental issue, then at that time that was all stigmatized. So, yeah. And plus yeah. the fact that like they came back and all the people who didn't and it was just really there's no rhyme or reason why you came back and why your right. friend didn't. Right. Survivor. Guilt yeah. Too. And just being like, I don't know. Like he did that. Yeah. He's gone. I- I'm not. What? Oh man, that's it's crazy. Like if we just the trait, but then it's that's the history of humanity, though, because there's always been wars. So that's true. Well, I have a positive reheatable. I have a bunch of good reheatables. Um, mine was the quote, and I believe it was Robert Mitchum who said it: "When you create a diversion, it's for a reason." Oh, that was a German, I think. Oh, well, okay. It may have been, but we need to pay attention to that today. Oh, yeah. Because whenever there is a diversion, it's because they're trying to take your attention away from something way bigger. Mm -hmm. So uh, enjoy that Facebook, Brittany and Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And you're positive reheatable. Okay. Well, we already touched on it. I put like the tone... So we already went into that. Um, oh, okay. My good, re- uh, good reheatable. I like that Henry. So Henry Fonda was playing Teddy Roosevelt Jr. And his his big scene is he goes in and he's going to resign unless they let him, you know, go out with them. Because he was, uh, I don't know if he was a general, but he was he was up high enough where he didn't need to go on the beach with the guys. Right. And and he was the son of former president Theodore Roosevelt, who was known as a badass. And so they're like, you don't need to, you know, you're the president's son. And he was like, no, I've been with these guys. I need to go. Let me go. Even though he had arthritis acting up. I thought it was a good reheatable because these guys, this guy, he needed to prove to his dad. Let us not forget that Teddy Roosevelt delivered a speech with a bullet in his chest. (laughs) <laughs> like that was his dad yeah. so can you imagine his dad oh what you you're not man enough to go on the beaches in normandy son he told roosevelt toy would have called his son a pussy he had to yeah so i thought i was like you know what that's a good reheatable because there's that's an interesting father-son dynamic right there because his yeah. dad is one of the all-time badasses ever 
he and then attempted assassination and the bullet was still in his chest and he gives like a two-hour speech (laughs) and the real um teddy jr um survived d-day but died of a heart attack a few weeks later (laughs) yeah because he finally made his dad proud (laughs) (laughs) and his heart burst his heart just burst (laughs) i finally did it Okay, um, so you're you have more good reheatable. Well, yeah, the, your quote that you already said about what side is God on? <laughs> Again, not the side killing the Jews, and not the side trade buying and selling slaves. Gonna just and do- not the side separating children from their parents. Yeah, just gonna go out on a lark there. Um, then. Also, my good reheatable is the German language because (laughs) greatest of all time languages for a panic situation. If you want to panic, you need to learn some German because there is no other language that is as good. You can be, oh, romance and speak your French and your Spanish and stuff. And it's, oh, it's so sexy. But if you want to articulate (laughs) anger sarcasm <laughs> frustration and panic there is no better language than german oh yeah well. oh my gosh oh. and then That's... also just the the fact that the languages that everybody was speaking their real languages and it was subtitled and yes. so that yes. made it speak feel very realistic i compare that to and i'm I'm I still have 30 minutes left in the HBO miniseries event Chernobyl which is fantastic yes Yes. but it's a Russian story and yet everyone has British accents yeah (laughs) (laughs) I believe it was made by the BBC so I'm just like huh the longest day I tip my cap to you yeah so those are my good reheatables. Excellent. Okay, well, my MVP I already discussed is Henry Grace. Henry Grace was not even an actor, but mm. he looked so much like Eisenhower that they put him in the movie. And that's why another reason why I thought it might really be Eisenhower because his acting wasn't great. He was an art decorator. <laughs> he, so he was like a set like designer and he yeah. just looked like and i believe again i ran out of time researching this but i believe that his voice was dubbed because he didn't sound anything like him oh so okay i think they might have dubbed in his voice because they just put him in the suit i had but to yeah. stop and and check because I thought that was Eisenhower. I knew it wasn't because Dang. they said that Eisenhower, you know, was like, I'm out. But maybe he was just like, How long is this move? No, I'm out. <laughs> My hemorrhoids are hurting already. Yeah. All right. Okay, so your MVP. Well, I have two honorable mentions. Okay. So my first honorable mention is the shoes that Rommel gives his wife for her birthday. <laughs> I know. I, I thought at least they're suede, right? Or something? No, they were the most German shoe <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. They were just a black. Sturdy. They were just a black <laughs> shoe. No, like there was a heel 
what would you say? Like an inch heel? I'm going to go with a two inch heel. The most bland uh, shoe. An inch and a half. An inch and a half black sturdy shoe. And she it was like she got those, what are those, Manolo Blahniks? <laughs> it, it didn't have a red salt. They, she was I, ecstatic for them. And I said, you are Rommel. You can, I know that you have confiscated shoes that are better than those. But the, at this point in the war, that people were really down to putting newspaper in what shoes they had left because there was, there were no materials to make. Yeah, shoes. that's people. That's not Rommel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he still had some mighty fine boots on. Yeah, I was. Yeah. She was just head over heels for those shoes. Oh, like those are the shoes. My, you you couldn't have given her like some Egyptian artifact that you stole. <laughs> a Monet. Yeah, <laughs> and it, like all the, the the pillaging that you took. There's not. I I was in the Berlin Museum. I saw what y'all got. <laughs> All right, and then my second honorable mention is: Is he a sir? Is he a Sir Richard Burton, or is he just uh, Richard Burton? I don't know if he was a sir or not. Because he, he, I, I was like, man, this guy, this guy gets it. He, yeah, he was a pilot. His his buddy had just died. He was just like, "What is war? Just that I'm gonna go up." And he, I mean, he, you couldn't tell him that this wasn't Shakespeare. No, he's just like yeah, I don't just... know who. And nerd alert. He and Roddy McDowell, so they were on the set of Cleopatra, which is notable for its. Uh, it's what is it tumultuous production yeah and so yeah. he and roddy got bored and they pleaded with daryl they said any part that you have please we will fly ourselves out there and we will do the work for free we are so bored on cleopatra yeah, yeah. boom but my mvp <laughs> I already know it, so go. My most valuable player. It is controversial and slightly problematic, which I admit to. <laughs> but the performance that this man gives, <laughs> it is, I believe, if you're familiar with Harry Potter, this man is my Patronus. <laughs> Oh, perfect. That is Pips, my old boy. <laughs> Pips is Pips Pruler. He's actually based on a real-life Nazi pilot, fighter pilot. And real-life Pips was a consultant on this movie. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but <then laughs> He probably said, angrier. <laughs> this you have to be angrier. Pips has this scene. So I don't know the exact particulars of where Pips is. Pips is stationed. He's stationed somewhere close to Normandy. And Pips is a hothead. And he, Pips has been in the Battle of Britain. He is he is an ace fighter pilot. He's an ace. The, the man is awesome. The man knows he's awesome. And the man has problems with authority. And so 
he's stationed there and he has two there's two planes there's pips and his wingman those are the only planes there they're running low on supplies he the german like commanders call him because they're like you need to be on alert and pips is like i need to be on alert for what i got two (laughs) planes here i need reinforcement because i you know they're coming to normandy how do i know that and they're like how pips how do you know they're coming to normandy because if it was me this is where i would be coming and i'm pips and they call him old boy pips and he's like don't you call me old boy pips and his his delivery pips has jokes he's got anger He's got sarcasm. He does. He's quite sarcastic. He's he's the he's the guy that he's he, all he wants to do is to do his job and the people above him won't let him do his job. They won't anyone who has ever been in a situation where management is just holding you down. That Pips has your back. He knows. So they're telling Pips to to I don't know, they're telling Pips to do something that Pips doesn't want to do and he is just angry. And it is bravo. And then and then they and then when they call Pips back to be like, yeah, oh uh, Pips, we need you up on the beaches and stuff, because they invaded Normandy. Oh man. Pips is like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> I get fine. And he's telling it, it is his coat, his wingman, he's zipping up his coat. He's like, yeah. I don't, it's basically a suicide mission because I was right. No one listens to the old old boy Pips. <laughs> pips, Pips, Pips. And I know it's problematic. And good thing that we didn't listen to that they didn't listen to Pips. Yes. Yes. But man. And it then is... do you know what Pips did after the war? What? He went to the V V. Oh, I get the beer. Some it's the beer that I get from Bevmo because it's the oldest German brewery. It begins with a W and it's a really long word. But he went to that brewery and became like a brewer master. Oh wow! Yeah, and then he died really young of a heart attack. Which <laughs> I guess I'm surprised he didn't die. I mean, yeah, he anger issues. Oh man, I love Pips. I just want to find the YouTube seed and just watch it over and over again. Yeah. Somebody needs to is. make a meme of that. That's true. It's, it's, it's stereotypical angry German. And, and that lovely language, that lovely guttural language. But the German. irony also of it is, is that Pips's delivery, his cadence, is very what I will say is like stereotypical Jewish humor. Like, that's what he was saying. I'm like, the irony of this. Pips. Hmm. Okay. Well, now we are, because we're skipping recasting, we are going straight to our tasty nuggets. We've given you... I got the yuck yucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Erin has yuck yucks in, in place of recasting. Yes. Yuck yucks being um, things that you found amusing in the film yeah. that weren't necessarily meant to be amusing. No, they were because Poppy said it earlier. Oh, okay. But so it these was, were things. It was it. I I wrote them down because again, it had been the whole D Day. I'm reading all of these these experiences. I'm rewatching Band of Brothers. I'm choking up at all of the man cry. 
it just really is it just really is getting to me and I'm like great now I have to watch three and a half hours am I gonna be crying the entire three and a half hours of this movie the longest day the day has been so emotionally draining and so I'm watching it and this is not Saving Private Ryan and it's not Band of Brothers because I'm like, wait, I mean, but it starts out with dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, oh mm-hmm. man, this is going to be deep and heavy and a slog. And yet these yuck yucks start appearing. And I'm like, what? what's with this yuck yuck? And then it was over time that I was like, oh, that's why break the tension right so i wrote down i have my notes on what my yuck yucks were so there was the yuck yuck where there's the british guy and they had these rupert they were called rupert dummies and they were paratroopers (laughs) but in the movie they were way more elaborate than they were in real life in real life they were just sacks of burlap with sand really yeah <laughs> oh my god in the movie they were these about what three foot miniature paratroopers and they were the size of that that um life-size doll that people used to buy yeah like a, a yeah a my buddy yes they yeah. were the size of my buddies they would put parachutes on them and they would put explosives and so the it was a uh distraction so the germans would think that there are paratroopers and when they landed they would go off with like firecrackers so the germans would think that they were shooting that paratroopers had landed and they were shooting at them but they were just dummies and before and so they give a whole scene explaining to the guys like this is rupert this is what he's gonna do and so then they they go up and the British guy has the first Rupert and basically delivers a Shakespeare soliloquy to Rupert of like, <laughs> Rupert, you're going off into battle now. This is for the queen. And this whole like five minute speech to just this doll. And then he throws it out. And I'm like, buddy, you probably missed the drop zone. Yeah. Given your talk. Yeah. So I was like, that's a, that's a bit much. Then the, the, so then at one point the like you know the french resistance has been put on alert and they're doing their resistance thing and these two german soldiers are walking on the railroad and the two there's two guys and a girl and they're like oh my gosh the guards are coming and the girl says don't worry i got it so she goes down into the trench comes up out of nowhere they're on a (laughs) a country you know a, a railroad track She's behind them, appeared out of nowhere. And the two German guards are like, hey, what are you doing? And she, I was like, guys, don't you know that there's a thing called the French resistance? This woman just appeared out of nowhere with a bicycle. You're on a railroad track. You didn't pass her. Now all of a sudden she's behind you. No one thinks that's a little odd. Yeah. Oh I like the guy, the the Nazi guard guy who put his head down to the railroad track with his helmet still on. <laughs> then he had to take the helmet off to listen to the railroad track. I thought that was funny. yeah. Oh, we have so I'm like that's a yuck yuck. And then we have the German. They did a big showing of the German putting on his shoes on the wrong foot. Yes, I'm like man, yuck yucks. 
Then at one point, somebody, and I'm pretty sure it's with a British accent because a lot of the yuck yucks came from the Brits. <laughs> he, I think he, it's like a German guy. And I think he lands like where the Nazis are. <laughs> and they're just like, what are you doing? He's like, ah, landed here by accident. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was like, yes. Cause oh. they did. They, um, the wind pushed them into the town. Oh, they everybody wanted... missed their drop zone. Right. D-Day so... was not a sleek, well-oiled machine at no. all. So they're dropping in this town where there are Nazis that just firing at them as they're dropping. Yeah, I was like, man, that's a yuck yuck. Then you had, there was a British guy who he was looking for his communion set. Yes, he was the he was the um, the the clergyman. He was probably a priest. Oh, oh, because I maybe it's just a British accent where I'm like, is this a joke? Is this a yuck yuck? Oh, you thought it was just a regular guy who? Yeah, that's the British thing that he was being sarcastic because the American guy was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm looking for my communion set." Yeah, he was the chaplain. So that he could give last rites, it was pretty important for him to be there to give last rites. Ah. Because he was going to be pretty busy. Oh, yeah, he was. Um. Okay, so they had these click-click things. You would click once, and then it would be returned with click. There was also the flash, and you say thunder, or thunder and flash. So, so you, when you were little, you never had those clickers? I don't, I remember a clicker, but I don't remember it being that big. Yeah. I remember like having a clicker, but it was small. That, those things that they had were huge. Yeah, they were pretty big. Oh. So, but the thing, okay. The guy, so he's there. He does the click because he hears things. And then he hears the two clicks and he smiles and he gets up. And he gets shot. And that's not the yuck yuck. I'm glad. Because that wasn't funny. The yuck yuck is that he gets shot. And he goes, but he had two clicks. <laughs> and he falls over dead. It's true. And, and then the guy does his gun. And, and then he does, does his gun. Clicks. And it does the Nazi guy does his gun. And it does the two clicks. And I'm like... You know, and you know what? I went back and I I did a 180 or a 360. I don't know. I reversed because at first I was like, man, that's such a, that's a yuck, yuck. We didn't, why do you have to say it? Like we got it. But then I thought, you know, if that had been me, that would have been my last thought. Yeah. But, but I did, did what I was supposed to do. So I was like. I used to mm. play with a gun like that. A gun? Right. The rifle. Who are you? Um, because my daddy brought it back from the war. And just let you with... play with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my brother and I used to play war outside. With a real rifle. Yeah. I didn't know it was a Nazi rifle until I saw this movie. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was fine. He just never talked about it. <laughs> nothing, nothing weird or anything. Well, I don't think he saw us playing. I, it was probably put away by the time he got home from work. What? Oh man! Aye, aye, aye. Um. 
okay, the mayor of the town showing up with champagne like yeah. while the shit is still going down <laughs> on his bicycle with his <laughs> Kaiser like helmet on. Yeah. Uh, just like guy like wanting typical this guy. There's always a that guy that not reading the room, buddy. <laughs> no, we can't just I know you're happy to see us, but we can't just stop what we're doing here. Also, another I would have taken a swig. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they were a bit like preoccupied. Like they have, we have objectives we need to do. Also, yeah. I didn't write it down, but it was it Robert Mitchum, or it was one of those guys who they had the sweater on. They didn't wear the green jacket or anything. They oh, were wearing the beige sweater. sweater. And then also the um, the I'm gonna say it's the Great Britain. It was somebody under the Queen. Or, but it was the king at the time. Right. Under the king. And when they showed up as reinforcements to the bridge, they just have the Scottish bagpiper going, who yeah. in real life was the official, like that was the queen's bagpiper. Yeah. Um, And just, yeah. just walking upright and yeah. being as British as British can be. Like we are yeah. here with the bagpipes to announce us everyone else is the americans are all you know serpentining and crouching and staying low and these and roll. yeah these british guys are just coming up walking straight up like yeah i guess you don't know that we got we got the king who was ordained by god himself so yeah yeah those were those were my my yuck yucks but you know what i i think that those things probably there were probably things that happened also the guy parachuting into the the well yes like, but i bet that really happened i bet it did too because the red buttons guy that really did happen Getting his private the, yeah, yeah they got stuck and they even have a I don't know if they still do, but they did have a dummy for a long time as a memorial oh, really? to that guy. Yeah. Wow. And the and the Frenchman who got his flag out from under his mattress while while they while the shelling was going on and his house was getting torn up, he was laughing and smiling oh, and waving that French it. flag. I mean, I would I understand him being happy because he was oh he hated the Germans that were he there. Did indeed. But I would at one point be like realize oh it's on <laughs> this is probably not a great place for me to be. Maybe I should go to a safer place. Yeah. Okay, well we've done a lot of tasty nuggets, but I have a few more. Okay, I do too. Um, when the crew was on the beach getting ready for the filming, they actually found an old British Jeep in the sand Ooh. and they dug it up and they used it in the movie. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. I have that there were 23,000 uh, troops that were the United States, British and French um, in the film. They had been troops in the war and they were used in the film. Um, there was this guy named Joseph Lowe, who was 22 on D-Day, and he scaled the cliffs. And um, 
then 17 years later, he was in the movie Scale in the Cliffs. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They said that um, most of the um, Germans that they encountered were either Hitler youth or, or old soldiers because the other um, soldiers were elsewhere. Yeah, and that that was a an issue with a lot of the a lot of the men because they they couldn't get over having to kill young kids. Well, yeah, because by that time, the German army was. I mean, they were taking like the old. They were taking the old people, and they were also taking the people from the places that they had, uh, what like conquered, like mm-hmm. you know, like oh, how old are you? You're a, you're a twenty year old Czech man. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're with us yeah. now. Yeah, because they lost a lot of people in Russia. <laughs> yes, because like, well, they had they were fighting in Russia. They were fighting in. Were they they were in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And they were fight they had like all of Norway, so that whole coast mm-hmm. had a lot of people. And they didn't think it was gonna be at Normandy, so they had most of the people, I think, stationed elsewhere. Yeah, up farther north, mm-hmm. Calais and around there. Um I had that sixty percent of the men and the equipment that was brought over was lost on D-Day, 60%. Yeah, that's like, still. And um, when they're coming across, what are those called, Poppy, that the troops are in? The, the gun, bunkers? The, the ships? The landing craft. The landing craft. Um, when they were doing the film, uh, Robert Mitchum was on one, and the actors on it didn't want to jump in the water because it was going to be cold. And he jumped in and was like, you know, people did this for real. Yeah, with so. bullets flying at them in death. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's go, wimps. Yeah. You got a participation trophy. and You, you got, got a-, a participation trophy. And you don't want to do this because your feelings got hurt? <laughs> your feelings are hurt? And, and in 1962, it could have been in color, but I uh, read that it was in black and white because they used archival footage in it. You can oh. tell when the ar- archival footage was used. Mm-hmm. Those are my tasty nuggets. Well, uh, really, you could keep going forever because there's so much information. I have some tasty nuggets. I know you do. Frank McCarthy, he was a producer on the film. He worked in the War Department during World War II, and he arranged the military cooperation of the French, German, UK, and US governments. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. It was shot in France. Um, was it shot at Normandy? Well, I'm guessing it had to be because you said that they found the Jeep. I have another tasty nugget. Oh. I can save it. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, It was at $10 million. It it was the most expensive black and white film ever produced until 1993 Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. I'll bet it was. Um, Most of the major actors took $25,000 to appear in the film. I think that Burton and McDowell did theirs for free. 
But John Wayne insisted on $250,000 because he had beef with Zanuck because when he, from back when he did the Alamo and Zanuck would be like, oh, poor John Wayne. Can you imagine, though, the gall of John Wayne? We're making a movie about D-Day. I didn't even serve in D-Day. I'm playing a guy who served in D-Day, even though I'm way too old to be playing him. I don't even have a compound fracture. I'm dying with 50 pounds of poop in me, and I (laughs) demand to be paid $250,000 to appear in this film? The gall. That's gall. Full of shit. Told you. Um... Let me see. Oh, I said like how the real red, uh, red buttons care private John Steele. He was the one that landed on the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were my tasty nuggets. And then also I have that it was nominated for it won for best cinematography and best special effects. The Academy Award. It was nominated for best art direction, best editing and best picture. And the other nominees for Best Picture in 1962 were The Music Man, Mutiny on the Bounty, To Kill a Mockingbird, and the winner of the Best Picture, 1962, Lawrence of Arabia. Wow. It was a sweeping epic. Mm-hmm. I remember going to see it in a in a an old fashioned ritzy ritzy theater, you know, the kind with the velvet curtain still and everything. Which movie are we talking about? Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. But, um, wow. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. I've never seen The Music Man. I've never seen Mutiny on the Bounty. And I've only seen half of Lawrence of Arabia. So I, I don't know. Okay. I'm surprised it didn't win just nostalgia wise. Nostalgia, but it was night. It was like to us, it's a long time ago, but it to us, think of 2001. And that's how it was to them. Okay. Because when I think of 2001, I'm old enough where I don't think that it was, I like that's that was 19 years ago. That doesn't yeah. seem like 19 years ago. That's when you know you're getting old. Exactly. Well, the, um, somebody in the town told Zanuck that they wanted money uh, or they were going to drive modern-day cars along the coast and ruin his filming if he didn't pay them money. Well, did he play the American card? Because that's what I would have done. Like, you do realize that we are filming a movie about us coming to save your hides. Because we won the The war. war. Yeah, you're damn right. We're going to dine on this for the next 75 years. I think he paid them, actually. He's he's a better man maybe than we are. He saw some things. Maybe that made him like Lieutenant Winters in Easy Company says, he's like, 
after he survives d-day and stuff he's like you know what i if i get back home i'm just gonna buy a piece of land and i'm just gonna sit there peacefully and i'm never going to fight again Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think that was him though because he went and was head of a studio movie studio and so you just fight all the time yeah but yeah yeah well that was oh are are you done with your tasty nuggets yeah i believe that's everything that was d-day the longest day mm-hmm. so if you want to witness d-day and not as stressful and very surface level i do recommend it but yeah if you i think because i watch it i try to watch it every year sometimes i get it's every two years but it's always usually around memorial day old band of brothers Easy yeah. company. I got the last two episodes to watch tomorrow. Those are the tough ones. Yeah. I mean, they're all tough ones, but we know what, what uh, you know, when the, when the Allied forces get into Germany, what they discover. So. I do want to bring up something that I didn't know about because they weren't around when, when we were in Germany. But there are now something called stumble stones wait they weren't they're a recent thing yeah oh i thought they were a thing and we just didn't know about them i think that they were they were started in the late 80s but uh, around 92 is when it was happening in berlin i think they started in berlin but then they were throughout germany and i heard as of 2016, they also have them in um, Amsterdam, too. Mm. So they're brass in the cobblestones. They're brass. Um, it's a stone with brass on top, and it's engraved with the name of the person who was either taken to concentration camps or murdered and the, and the date. To remember that all of these people had once been here and now they're not and you stump you actually stumble on them so that you can't forget oh so they're like they're like purposefully walking on tree roots yes so you stumble and then you oh that's yeah. why wow yeah. that's a really that's a really cool idea also- i think it is i think it's a way of paying homage to a really dark part of history yeah kind of not i mean you know the the germans you don't see statues of our heroic nazis anywhere you don't see rommel you know, there's no Wolves. rommel there's no statue of pips you know because he was on the, the losing side of something that most of them shouldn't be unproud of right but you know i believe you asked me you're like oh couldn't we do that here for slavery and i was like oh did i'm sorry did does do germans ever refer to world war ii as the war of allied aggression yes aaron got quite snarky (laughs) about it i thought thought that was funny there's a book I'm reading that that brought up that point. That would be uh, a way of just acknowledging, yeah, 
yeah, this happened in our past. It's ugly and we're going to look at it. But uh, yeah, how about a Medal of Honor for my man Woods? Waverly. Oh, that, would be, that would be lovely too. Woody. I felt that next week we needed a, a bit of a comedy. Oh, a palate cleanser? Uh, a bit of a palate cleanser. Don't be real mad if it's a John Wayne film. <laughs> also, I think probably we've done the only John Wayne film we ever have to do. Well, we probably have to. I mean, The Searchers is a good movie. Is oh, it The I Searchers or is it Stagecoach? It's something. The John Ford films. Okay. Okay. Well, this one uh, was directed by a director you've talked about a bit. Preston Sturges? No. Oh. Ernst Lubitsch. Another Lubitsch joint? What was our other Lubitsch joint? The Shop Around the Corner? Yes, it's another one. It was. It's from 1943. Oh. It has two um, actors that I've never heard of. <laughs> and, well, no, one actor I've never heard of, one I have heard of, we've never done her, and Donna Michi is also in it. Donna Michi. We saw him in uh, Trading Places. Oh, I always think when I hear Donna Michi, I think of Dom DeLuise. Uh huh. I picture and Dom I, DeLuise. And I'm like, that's not the right guy. Also, sometimes I think Donna Michi. I don't know who Donna Michi is. Oh, Don Amici. Michi. Yes. Okay. No, no guesses. Uh, I, oh, man, well, it was remade in the 70s. Remade in the 70s. We're doing the 1943 edition. Oh, what year was it remade in the 70s? I'm not sure. Mm. Do you know who was in it in the 70s? Yes. Who? Well, if I tell you, you're gonna guess. Uh, will I though? I wasn't alive in the 70s. Diane Cannon. Ooh, Diane Cannon. I know she has curly hair. Mm, blondish. And Warren Beatty. Diane Cannon and Warren Beatty? In the 70s edition. <sighs> Heaven Can Wait? Yes, we're doing the original Heaven Can Wait. We're doing the original. This is unbelievable. I wanted to do Heaven Can Wait back in, in February. Because it had, it was about the Rams going to the Super Bowl, and what's her Elaine May like wrote up the script, and you're you poo pooed it, and Warren Beatty, and you poo pooed it. I don't remember poo pooing it. You did poo poo it. You poo pooed it. Well, this, this is about a boxer, a... isn't it? I don't know. It's got Laird Krager. I think that I think that instead of a quarterback, it's a boxer. Okay, and Jean Tierney. I've heard of her before, but we've not done a Jean Tierney before that I remember. Oh, well, this is fantastic. You know, I like that Lubitsch. I know you like the Lubitsch touch, and I thought after some heaviness, we needed some lightness, and um, then we will be on a bit of a summer break. We're on a sabbatical couple weeks of a sabbatical this is the fall the summer the summer season finale 
this is our summer season finale and uh, we'll let you know when we're back via Facebook. Well, someone will. I'm guessing it's the weekend after the 4th of July. No, the weekend after the weekend after the 4th of right, July. Right, because you have to have time to get back and watch a movie in order for us to do it. So yeah. this may be three weeks. We may be off three weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the longest day. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It's important to watch and remember what these people really did. And the, the mean, battle sequence, I guess we didn't really talk about that, but the battle sequences and stuff, the fighting, that was pretty good. There's one aerial shot where it shows all of the people running and the shot mm-hmm. with the planes and stuff when there's, you know, killing the our soldiers. and Yeah, and the, and the parachutes all coming down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that... That was bravery to get off of those troop boats. It was just a wall of bullets. Yeah. And what and about knew, the guys? Yeah. The guys in because I yelled Kurahi because that's what they did in in Band of Brothers when they're at the camp because it's they're they stand alone because they're paratroopers. They jump in behind enemy lines. Yeah. And you just. You got to hope that you can hook up with with who you need to hook up with. And if not, it's just you and you, you best survive. Yeah, man. So, yeah, we're all soft. We've all just become so soft. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. Just just soft. Just unbelievable. I just look at you. Who who are you? (laughs) Our heroes. We're not speaking German because of them. Hope we have some in the wings, so we're not speaking Russian soon. Hmm. Okay, on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Auf Wiedersehen. (laughs) Bis morgen. I don't know how to say there you go. (laughs) Gayen. Although, remember how I was obsessed that one? It was actually 19 years ago, I think. With um, it was that one PlayStation game. It was Medal of Honor, and I was obsessed with it that summer. And how they were like, I think that I think it means attack. Oh, because I was watching it and I kind of heard it and I read the subtitles and it says something about attack. And I'm like, I bet it's attack. I'm click, click. <laughs> Man, that was that was a great game. I was that was the summer of a band of brothers in that game. I was man. I, I thought I saw Nazis everywhere. Yeah. Actually, when I was a little girl, I used to practice holding my breath. So if the Nazis came, they would think I was already dead. Yeah. I so did. completely yeah. fine for Z. Yeah. Just all of the little things. <laughs> How did why did you even know to do that? Because you were probably being soft and your dad was like, Well, you know what? <laughs> no, no. We would watch combat together. 
No. And I would have him translate the German for me. And and then uh, then it would be, oh, my God, the Nazis might come for me. So I practice. Because I'm for- German? Okay, everybody. <laughs> because I don't have blue eyes. Damn it. <laughs> they take me. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm um, just like, I'm everything you hate, Nazis. Till next time. Well, there you go. Bye-bye.